The Dave Berta Podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Find out more about the network and other amazing Alberta-made podcasts at albertapodcastnetwork.com. I'm Erica Brudy. I'm Janice Irwin. And I'm Natasha Souls. And you're listening to the Dave Berta Podcast. We're recording this very special episode on August 12th, 2018. As you heard off the top, we've booted Dave and Ryan out of the studio and have invited some of our political pals and friends of the pod on the show. Starting with this person, she is the president of the United Conservative Party of Alberta, an athlete and in her day job, a senior advisor of corporate communications at EPCOR, Erica Barudis, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. She's the Director of Stakeholder Relations in the Office of the Premier, and she's also declared that she'll be running for the NDP nomination in Edmonton's Highlands Norwood Electoral District, which has been held by Brian Mason since the year 2000. Janice Irwin, thanks for coming on the pod. Thanks for having me. And she's the former Director of Communications and Legislative Affairs for the Alberta Party. She's also a senior executive associate at an outstanding Edmonton not-for-profit called Homeward Trust. Natasha Souls, great to have you on today. Thanks for having me. Today, I'm hoping we can chat not only about your experiences in provincial politics and politics at any level, but also about where you see politics moving in the near future and even long after we've all shuffled off this mortal coil. So let's start uh, with you, Erica. You're the president of the UCP. I don't imagine you just decide on a whim to start Mm -hmm. doing something like that. So tell us why you got involved in party politics. Yeah, thank you um, for having me today and giving me the opportunity to share, share some of my background and, and where our party's headed. But <clears throat> at, the la- uh, at the risk of sounding cliche, uh, my grandfather was very involved in, in politics <clears throat> federally uh, in Saskatchewan when I was growing up. And then when I moved to Alberta in 2004, uh, my aunt, obviously it's in our blood, uh, was involved with the PC party and encouraged me to get involved at my local CA or constituency association level. I did, and I've spent the past 14 years uh, at various capacities, both for the federal and provincial conservative movement, everything from managing campaigns, working at the legislature, um, and you're right, you don't just uh, pick up and decide to, to run for president of a political party, so that's kind of my story on, on how I got here, but yeah, I, I do strongly believe it's in my blood, um, but that's not always the case for everyone. So. And was it sort of a foregone conclusion that you would, you know, you'd follow in your 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 relative footsteps that that conservative politics was where you would hang your shingle i think that's very much where my values and beliefs uh and and it so happens that the rest of my family uh on the british side uh for the most part have those same values um and so i don't think it was i I didn't foresee it when i first went to university uh at the university of calgary but i did end up taking political science so it was a natural progression for me to, to get more involved uh, and, and essentially, or eventually work in politics, but then also uh, volunteer uh, for the party now. And the decision to become president of the United Conservative Party, I don't imagine that was one you took very lightly. What made you think that you could be one of the people that could help lead conservative politics in Alberta? Yeah, so um, it, it was I think it was the, the worst kept secret by the time I actually announced within the party because, as you said, you know, you have to think about it and discuss with people if, if you believe you're the right person. Um, I said the reason I decided, decided to run was because I was raised that if you want something done right, you do it yourself. 
and I felt that I was that individual. Um, we, we have a big tent conservative party and I wanted to help represent all conservatives within our province. And that's why I felt that I was best suited to be that individual. And uh, uh, fortunately for me, our, our party membership felt the same way at our AGM. So they selected me and, and I'll continue to do the best job I can do. Great. Now let's turn over to you, Janice. I, I believe, uh, having followed you on Twitter for a while, that you've been involved with the New Democratic Party for a while. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on that, but why did you decide to get involved in party politics? Yeah, you're right. And and like Erica said, thanks for having me on the show. This is an exciting opportunity. Um, you're right. I've been involved uh, with the NDP for a number of years now. Um, I really got involved with the NDP uh, when I moved. I was, I was actually a teacher and a vice principal in rural Alberta, and I moved back to Edmonton about uh, around 10 years ago. And, uh, and really started getting involved with the party. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I, I got involved in party politics because, um, you know, I was, I was living in, in, in an area of the city where I, I was seeing a lot, of, um, a lot of challenges, you know, a lot of folks struggling uh, without uh, roofs over their head. And I just, I really feel that every member of our community uh, deserves basic rights. You know, no one should go without food, shelter, and the chance to live a dignified life and I just really felt that you know more needed to be done and it wasn't be, being done at that time by in my opinion our you know my representatives both at the federal and uh, provincial level and so I, I saw that the NDP kind of spoke to that vision for me and I, I wanted to get involved and I wanted to do more and just you know it was it was a good place for me to put my time and my energy and my my talents to try to influence change and uh, you know, I took, eventually I took that one step further and I did run federally for the NDP in Edmonton Griesbaugh in 2015. And, and as you noted, I'm now running for a nomination provincially here in uh, Edmonton Highlands, Norwood. Tell me a little bit about um, the run for federal politics. On this show, we, we talk a lot about what it takes to be a candidate. Did that, uh, did that become your life for a period of months? And, and what was that like? <laughs> Yeah, no, you know, it really did. It was uh, actually a period of years. I uh, I launched my federal campaign in uh, November of 2013, so uh, nearly two years out of the federal election. So uh, I was kind of, I, I definitely developed a reputation for being a, a hardworking candidate, and, and it really was my life for for about two years. And, and then when we hit the actual campaign period, uh, folks I'm sure on this call will remember that uh, it was the, the second longest election campaign in, in Canadian history, 78 days. So it was, you know, I'd already been campaigning, uh, essentially campaigning to win a nomination and then campaigning in, in the general for, for, for quite a long time. And then to get into a general election that was, that was going to be such a, uh, a lengthy period was it, was, it was definitely a haul. But, uh, you know, obviously the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but um, I'm happy I did it. And, and we, really, we really created a bit of a movement. That's fantastic. As you may know, Ryan is a, is a candidate who's run a couple of times and, and not been successful. Yeah. So one of my big questions for you, I guess, is how, as an individual who's poured herself, you said for, for years, not just months, into a campaign and you don't get the result you want, how do you pick up the pieces? Because I can tell you, I'd be <laughs> on the couch, under blankets, eating an awful lot of ice cream. <laughs> yeah, you know, and... and and truly, I think the hardest part was just, um, you know, we had we had hundreds of volunteers and just, you know, I met people who who were really, you know, 
they, they felt inspired. And I think the hardest part was feeling like I'd, I'd let so many people down, you, you know what I mean? And, and so that was tough, but um, uh, afterwards, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I, I went on a little trip and, uh, and relaxed a little bit and came back to work, which was, uh, which was also, you know, something that um, I wasn't sure if I'd be going back to work. So I did that and uh, eventually, you know, um, it came, you know, I, I, yeah, I accepted it right away and, and I knew that my, my work wasn't done and uh, continued to really be involved in my community as I always had been. And, and it kind of led up to, to, to present day where I'm, I'm again running, but this time at the provincial level. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your story about getting involved in party politics. Last but certainly not least, Natasha Souls, you were the Director of Communications and Legislative Affairs for the, uh, is it fair to say, fledgling Alberta Party? I feel like we, we give you guys a really hard time on this show, but very curious to know why you got involved in party politics, particularly with the Alberta Party. So my start was actually in youth politics. Like Erica, I grew up surrounded by politics. It was really in my blood. I uh, volunteered and door knocked on my first campaigns as a little kid, and I sort of got started from there. I got involved as a youth member in my constituency association, and my MLA at the time, uh, former Premier Hancock, put me on his board as a youth member, which was just an absolutely incredible opportunity. And then I got involved in volunteering on campaigns in uh, PCYA, the PC youth organization, and on campus clubs. And I really started because it was a fantastic way to be involved in my community and be a part of the process. I was always a really huge politics nerd with a big interest in engagement and encouraging other young people to be involved in politics. And so I did a lot of that through partisan politics and through party politics at all sorts of levels from provincial to federal, but also with things like youth parliament and nonpartisan outreach. So that was always a really big passion of mine. And that's sort of what got me started in the whole uh, party politics process. Yeah. Now, I don't want to make assumptions about what I think you would have done in your role as director of comms and, and legislative affairs. So can you maybe just enlighten me and, and some of our listeners as to what is involved in that role, especially when you have um, only one sitting member of the party in the, in the legislature? So the thing about that role and in comparison to the theme of this podcast is it was a nonpartisan role because I was working for the caucus and I was working for the legislative assembly. But at the same time, it was really about taking the values and messages of the Alberta Party and of my member and turning that into debate material, into questions, into press releases, and sort of providing that voice in the House for the party's beliefs and for what people were saying to us and how we reacted to that. And then through legislative affairs, that was also more the coordination side that was about making sure that my members, particularly ones who had more than one, were in the house at different times, following the different rules and procedures, making sure that we were well-organized and well-run and communicating with other house leaders and uh, government members to sort of coordinate on policy ideas and amendments and questions and sort of everything that went on in the house. The other thing as a director of communications that was one of my roles was to actually prep my bosses for stuff like this. So being on this side of the microphone is really unusual for me. I think it's been a very long time, if ever, since I've done an interview myself on air or off air. So uh, I admire those of you that do this regularly and are on podcasts and on radio and in interviews. And being on this side of the microphone is uh, pretty different for me. So thank you guys again for having me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's you guys all sound like naturals. It's a hard job, though, working with Dave and Ryan. They really don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> they, they fake it pretty well though. So yeah, they do. now Janice, before we move on, I, I do want to ask you in your current role as the director of stakeholder, stakeholder relations in the office of the premier, what does that involve exactly? Yeah, no, good question. And I've actually only been in the role for a few months. Um, prior to that, I've my my career has really been in education for for the last number of years. Um, and most recently, I was uh, I was an executive director on the civil service side, uh, overseeing curriculum development. So I moved over uh, just a few months ago, and so I I feel like I can still uh, play the new card, although maybe maybe I can't at this point. But uh, yeah, I mean my my work is really. Um, you know, obviously, with stakeholder relations, there there are a whole heck of a lot of uh, of folks uh, that are you know that our, our premier's office needs to engage with. So, um, I'm I'm sort of helping coordinate a lot of that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's 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 a it's a really interesting time for me to have jumped into um, you know the political side, and uh, and I'm enjoying it uh, so far. So, Erica, as president of the United Conservative Party, I just want to get a better understanding of what's involved, because I think that I, I might assume, forgetting about the whole political side of it, that you're effectively the president of a board of directors. But you and I follow each other on social media and you are out there all the time. So what is what is your job actually involved? Yeah, so you are correct. I mean, it is to, to chair the, the board of directors and, and ensure that, you know, we're meeting regularly and, and we're accountable uh, to our membership, which is a very large number. It's over 100,000 members. So as you can assume, there's lots of uh, voices and opinions. And as, as the board, we need to respect them and, and represent them at that boardroom table. Now, I think it, it depends on, on who you are as a person and what you think the role of president is. For me, you know, my best best way to be able to actually ensure we're accountable uh, and to represent our party is to be out there and, and talking to our members. So I take it upon myself, uh, not to say that that was in the job description, but to be out there and, and participate. And I mean, obviously, none of us are um, not thinking about uh, 2019 and the election. So with that, you know, it's, it's making sure that, again, we're heard, we're listened to, and that um, we have a lot of moving pieces right now. So whether it's going out to fundraising events for our constituencies or supporting our leader. Um, and, and as president, you do hold a role as being one of the spokespeople for our party. And it just depends on the situation or, or issue that who is best to, to speak to that. So, so my, my, my experience might be a little bit different than uh, some individuals that have held this role prior, but I, I strongly believe that for me to do my job, uh, I always tell members, you call me, I call you back. And, and I, I do spend a lot of time on my phone as a result or uh, meeting in person, but I think that that's what I can, I can offer and that's exactly why I chose to run for this position in the first place was, uh, if anyone knows me, I have a lot of energy and uh, I, will, I will keep town and pavement for our party uh, past the election and, and onwards as president or as just a party member. So I've kind of scoped my own job description in addition to it. <laughs> Now, as, as you all know, most Albertans never become members of political parties, and I would, I would suggest maybe most Canadians. Why do you think uh, Albertans should get involved in party politics? And we'll start with you, Janice. Sure, yeah, and I, it's a really good question, and it's, it's actually something I've thought about too, because we do know that it's a, you know, it's a very, very, I don't know what the, the numbers are, but it's, I know it's a very small fraction of the population that are actually party members. 
I mean, for me, I, I see people coming together with shared goals as, as fundamental to our democracy, whether through political parties or other organizations or groups. And we know that political parties specifically are a place where you know, power exists in our democratic systems. It's how people can choose their local candidates, their party leaders, and, and so on. And party members have a pretty uh, important opportunity to influence decision makers, set policies, and create the kind of change that they want to see. I, I feel like most people aren't members um, because they haven't been asked or they don't see value in it. And I, I saw this, um, you know, when I was uh, trying to win my nomination federally. Um, you know, I'd, I'd talk to folks and uh, a lot of people would just say, you know, I've never thought about being a party member. I've never been asked. And I'm seeing that now, too, as I'm um, hoping to win the nomination in, in Edmonton Highlands Norwood. And, and, you know, when you talk to people about it, they're they're typically pretty receptive. So I think I think a big part of it is just not really necessarily knowing the the, the internal processes. And and I think, you know, when, when you meet folks at their doors, um, you you need to be able to talk to them about the fact that um, it's an opportunity it's an op by joining a party, it's an opportunity to be a part of something, to be to be a part of building a, a better Alberta, to feel like your input, your energy, your your involvement is is valued. And and I think that's the role of political parties and candidates to, you know, engage Albertans to to join them and see that value in 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 taking on a different role. And I can tell you, you know, personally, um, as I said, when I moved back to Edmonton years ago, um, having come from from uh, from teaching out in rural Alberta, I didn't I had I wasn't involved with the NDP. I wasn't involved with the party. And and I still remember going to a party event uh, and just feeling so kind of on the outside, like just thinking like, I, I don't, I don't understand. And I, I, and I've told people this story because one of my, one of my goals through my federal run and, and, and currently through my provincial run as well is to, to really build the party. And so that people who haven't been involved in party politics, um, you know, feel welcome and, and see this as, as an opportunity, as I said, to really be, um, to be a part of something, to be a part of something exciting. Great, excellent answer. Uh, what about you, Natasha? Why, um, why should Albertans get involved in party politics from your perspective? So for me, it is the absolute best possible way to get involved with how government functions on the ground level. So it's important every four years to get together, to vote, to be engaged and to understand what's going on. But in between those years, a ton of democracy happens that people can stay involved with, whether that's selecting local candidates, political leaders, policies, and sort of just keeping that on the ground level engagement and democratic process. Party politics is also just super fun. You get to meet people, do really fun volunteer things and really get to know the place you live in. I mean, I've met some of my best friends through party politics. I know people who've met the people they've married or who have been friends in their lives for 40 years or more. And so I think it's just a great opportunity to not only be involved in something that's bigger than you and that means a lot to you and with people who share your values, but also to realize that politics can be fun and can have some really great people in it and to sort of understand how that comes about and the good side of politics rather than maybe some of the negativity that we see a lot. Yeah, great answer as well. What about you, Erica? Why should Albertans get involved in party politics? What's your pitch? Yeah, so I, I agree with both Janice and Natasha that it is, it's the best channel to be heard. And I think it's regardless of what party or ideology that most aligns with your values and beliefs. Getting involved is that mechanism that can allow you to 
bring your expertise or fight for what you believe in or share, you know, common values with an individual and, and amplify that. And obviously in party politics, the, the end goal is to always form governments. But, you know, it takes, it takes an army to be able to do that. And, and the more people that get involved in, and reassure you of, of the direction you're headed, the better. So I do want to say, um, actually, to, to Janice's point, you know, that people can get involved at various levels. And to put your name on a ballot is actually a very incredible thing. So I want to commend her on that. I've done it internally, and I, I can't imagine the, the effort. And uh, it, it, But I think what, what the point is, it reassures you of your values and, and beliefs. And, and Natasha and I have known each other for many years, especially in the youth, youth world, um, where we both got started. But, you know, we're all card-carrying members. We're all believers in, in what uh, we fight for every day, and, and some of us do it uh, volunteers. Some of us do it as a career. Um, but we're we're all we're already the converted. And so the message, I guess, I would send to Albertans that are, are questioning that is, you know, if you if you want to provide the best advantage for you and your family and and our future, getting involved is is the best way to do that and, and be heard. Um, you know, getting together with like-minded individuals. Is, is a way to do that. And I can tell you over the, as you can imagine, the last year has, has had a lot of, uh, maybe more on the con- conservative side, but Albertans deciding where, where they, they align. So, I mean, within us, we had two, two political parties um, in which I was a member of both. And, and understanding where the unity of our party came together, what it meant for, for me as an individual, and it's giving another opportunity for, for individuals to, to check if those values and beliefs best align with them. And for me, I was reassured through this, this last year that uh, I am in the, involved in the party that I'm meant to be a part of. Uh, but I just think to, to anyone looking to get involved, you know, fight for what you believe in and, and whatever that looks like to the capacity of being involved will be up to you. But um, if you want to you know, see change and impact, as Natasha was saying, and at that that ground level, um, it, it's the best channel to do it. And you do meet a lot of incredible people along the way that, you know, that just elevate your life and the thoughts that you have. So I'm very fortunate for all the individuals I've met along the way, um, and I'm sure that the uh, that both Janice and Natasha feel exactly the same way. Yeah, and that's, uh, Adam, if I can just jump in, I think, you know, I, I like what Erica said there, because it's a it's a really good point that, yeah, of course, some people like me take it to the extreme and put their name on a ballot, but um, there are folks who, you know, I've met too that are pretty hesitant to be involved in party politics, you know, they're just, they say they're nonpartisan, or they just don't want to take up a membership, and I, I totally get that, and I think that's where, you know, you don't necessarily need to be a card-carrying member, um, but there are other ways that you can get involved, and and for some folks, it's kind of a slippery slope. You know, I'm sure we can all share stories where, you know, you go out and knock on doors and then suddenly you're hooked or whatever it might be, or you meet a candidate that you that you really want to support. And so I think that's a good way to frame it to Albertans too, that there's just, there are a lot of ways to be involved in the in the political process. That's a that's a great jumping off point for a question that's that I've sort of been wondering. What is for um for you folks, when you're going out and trying to convince people either to support a political party during an election time or to buy a membership, what for you in your experience has been the gateway drug uh, for people to get them into party politics? Yeah, I mean, you know, from I, I'll, I'll just talk about a, a recent examples of the conversations I've had with my with my neighbors here in, in Edmonton Highlands, Norwood. Um, 
you know, talking about issues seems to be it, like for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm really obviously passionate as I've talked about, about education, I'm passionate about healthcare. And, and so talking about some of, um, in my case, obviously with, with the NDP, uh, some of what I see are the incredible gains in, in healthcare and education that we've, we've had under this government and, you know, to truly talk about as well. And, and, and I'm, I'm a pretty positive person, so I don't, I don't usually have start with a message of, of fear or concern, but I just, you know, um, I'll talk about issues that are, that are relevant to me. And, um, it, like I said, with, with education curriculum was my life for, for a very long time. And, you know, we've got, uh, we've got someone who wants to be the premier, Mr. Kenny, who's, who's mentioned that he'll, he'll put the new curriculum through the shredder. So, I mean, that's an example where, gosh, you know, I know, I know, I know what it was like as a teacher and, and even as a student to, um, to need to be able to see yourself in the curriculum. And for me, the thought of, of um, not moving forward with curriculum development when we have curriculum documents that are um, older than I am and, uh, and we've got an opportunity to talk about things that need to be addressed, that students need to be discussing, whether it's consent, diversity, uh, you know, the, the list, Indigenous perspectives, the list goes on. So for me, and I mean, I don't mean to go off on a tangent about uh, about curriculum development, but um, for me, I think it's about, it's talking about those issues that I'm passionate about and also talking to them about what they're passionate about and sharing my perspective and the party's perspective on those, on those issues. Great. Awesome. What about you, Erica? As you're out there banging the drum for the United Conservative Party, how are you able to convince Albertans to become members in a political party? Um, well, I think to, to uh, jump off of Janice's point, you know, she talks about what she's passionate about. And I think that that's what everyone's hook is into it is what does this mean for me? And when you look at how policy is developed, uh, there's some individuals that look at, you know, one or two policies or, or positions of a political party. And then there's some that look at it differently. And, and there's no wrong answer. It's, it's what's in it for me and who do I believe is going to act in my best interest going forward. So I think the big thing, um, what I try to do is, is listen and hear more than I, I speak, which anyone knows me, I, I'm quite good at the, the latter. Uh, <laughs> and then <laughs> talking a lot. But, um, <clears throat> but I think it is just finding out what the, what the connection is uh, from who you are as a, like what you are as a party and being able to you know tie it back into the impact that it has on on an individual's life because at the end of the day you know we want the best for everyone but what happens to, to my family and those I love I'm also very concerned about so I think it's that um, obviously right now we're in a unique period and, and I can only speak for for the UCP around uh, nominations but we also have an opportunity because we have, I think we'll have 65 contested nominations um, out of the 87. And that's, I mean, that's an exciting thing, obviously, for, for a party to have so many people wanting to be involved. But we also then have an opportunity to um, have new members attach themselves to contestants that are running. And so you also get to have a human connection to an individual. So people are selling you a membership. They're the person that came to your door and they would like you to support them. It's, it's another, another position or approach that you can take to getting individuals involved. And obviously that goes in, in you know, leading up to an election year. But I think that there's many ways, but it does always come back to finding that passion for the individual. And, and you know, I can even hear the passion that Janice has when she speaks about curriculum development um, because it is her, her background and, and something that she's focused on. 
and, and making that relatability to someone at the door or at an event is, is very authentic and integral so, um, to the process. So I think that for me, it's always about tying it back to, to each individual and speaking about what that means in their life. Um, and, and I believe that we try to do, we do that as much as possible. For me, really, the gateway drug for partisan politics and being involved in a political party is community-based. So people are happy to talk about issues and really high-level policy, like Janice was discussing with curriculum development, or lots of people have issues with healthcare and education and the economy and have big ideas. But I find that I really get people once I find a way to relate to specific things happening in their town or their city to tie it to their lives. And to find those people in communities who want to be engaged, but maybe also don't necessarily know how to get started in that. I've also found that people really want to realize that they can have a say. They can help choose their local candidates, what kinds of things are promoted and discussed when it comes to building a platform. And having recently gone through a leadership in the Alberta party, people wanted to be able to step up and contribute to the vision of the party, figure out how to share what we believe in with the rest of, the, with the rest of Alberta, and really just sort of realizing bring together a bunch of potential from a whole bunch of different people from a whole bunch of different backgrounds. And that was a really exciting thing that's happened for us in the last little while as we sort of go through that process. We're going to take a quick break and talk about our sponsor for this show, ATB, which powers the Alberta Podcast Network. Well, it's going to be Calgary Pride very soon, and ATB is one of the sponsors of Calgary Pride. One of the things that ATB is doing at the Pride Festival in Calgary is what we call Free Gelato Day. So if you happen to be on Stephen Avenue on um, during Pride, look for ATB at our branch on Stephen Avenue giving away free Fiasco Gelato. We call it the Pride Brick Road. Uh, definitely come and check us out. You can get your free gelato and you can even take a great selfie against a fabulous piece of Pride-based art that we're going to have there. To find out more about what ATV is up to at Pride, visit atv.com slash pride. What do you think are the biggest challenges facing political parties in Alberta? Yeah, I think this is a great question and one that, you know, you have to really think about because there's different reasons right now. Um, and this happened four years ago as well as you head in all of a sudden, you know, the, the volume and intensity of individuals talking to you about getting involved um, is obviously higher and you hear different narratives from different parties. And, and that's, I mean, that's what leading up to an election is supposed to be like. So it's, it shouldn't happen any other way or doesn't happen any other way. But I think the biggest thing is actually, um, a challenge that we face is apathy. And, you know, having people, like Natasha said, that connection in your community to what's happening or feeling that the government's speaking to you directly or, you know, opposition or any, like that a political party is speaking to you. And we head into a year where, um, and I noticed this being involved federally after a provincial election, about people just, you know, saying that I'm going to vote this way or I feel this way, but just you know, it's too much. You guys are here too much and you just don't have the desire to get involved. Um, and I think that goes to the internal side as well, like apathy of volunteers, because you're just asking so much of people in their, in their time. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of motivation, regardless of what party, about the excitement of 2019 um, and the upcoming election. 
that people are getting off their couches and have a reason. But I think that that's something that we always will face uh, regardless is just the, the, the sense of apathy that individuals will have around the political process or political parties or, again, what it, what it means to me if there's not a direct tie that it's a challenge that, you know, whether it's year one of a, a government or the year leading into an election, something that you always have to be conscious of. Yeah, and if people don't believe that that politics are are loom large in their lives, then apathy is even more difficult to fight because they've got other things they need to worry about in their lives. Yeah, and for all of us on this panel, you know, we breathe this and live this every day. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's what is that to to the you know, and I don't want to say average because no one's average uh, in our province, but just an, an Albertan that you know, has the same voting right that anyone else has. What do we do as individuals and catalysts for causes to ensure that those people feel connected, whether you get involved in party politics um, at a volunteer level or a card-carrying member level? We have 4.3 million people that have a right to decide, and, and our jobs as political parties is to motivate them and encourage them to be a part of the process to whatever capacity they can do. Great. Natasha, over to you. What do you think is one or some of the biggest challenges facing political parties in Alberta today? So I think some of it is actually the negative view on politics that I encounter among a lot of people. And I think that joining a political party can actually change that. So across parties, the elected officials and volunteers that I've met have almost always been outstanding people who just want what's best for their province, even if it looks really different between different parties. And people don't really get the chance to see this. They get to see the mudslinging and the arguing and maybe some of the negative sides, but they don't see the camaraderie that's formed even with people who disagree with each other, even with people who oppose each other. And I think that can be a really big barrier because you start to think, I don't necessarily want to be involved in something like that. I don't necessarily want that negativity in my life. And it's hard to sometimes see the positives. And I agree that apathy is a thing for sure. And it's a really big issue, but I think it's also people just not really knowing that they can do this, not realizing how influential volunteers are, that you can go door knocking with someone who's a minister or a future premier, go to events and share ideas that actually turn into policy and into bills and into laws. Like, that's so cool. But a lot of people don't really realize it's something so small that can start at a CA level or at a conversation in a coffee shop can turn into some real actionable change. And I think that sort of getting that across and allowing people to realize that they can contribute something of value that allows for this community impact, we need to communicate that a little bit better and make sure that the apathy doesn't start to, to sink in in that way. How about you, Janice? What do you think uh, is, is one or some of the biggest issues facing political parties in Alberta? Yeah, and I'm, I'm really agreeing with Erica uh, very much on this. Erica, we need to stop agreeing on things. What the heck? Um, particularly on the, on the apathy piece and, and what Natasha said as well. And, um, you know, here comes the former high school social studies teacher and me. You know, central to social studies is, is this goal of active, engaged citizenship. And I think engaging voters is, is one of the toughest uh, challenges right now. Um, people are busy and um, many people just aren't seeing value in the in the political process. You know, we see this in really low voter turnout uh, in Alberta, whether it's at the municipal, provincial or or federal level. I, and, and, you know, people, there are a lot of people that are disenfranchised and, and feeling disconnected from institutions and, and from government. And, you know, I, I really saw that firsthand um, when I was running federally, you know, I, I knocked on every door in my in my federal riding. And so I met a lot of people. And 
I met a lot of folks who were disenchanted. I met folks who were struggling hard. You know, they would they would tell me about their challenges, but in 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 some cases, it was pretty clear that they they weren't going to vote. And you know, if you're if you're worried about how how you're going to get your next meal, it's not going to be easy to convince you um, to get out and vote. And and I get that. And so I think we as politicians or, or prospective politicians like myself and and political parties, we need to really work to regain the trust of the public, uh, you know, build those relationships in a meaningful way. And so that people see that we will truly be able to represent the needs of the communities that, uh, that we represent. And in turn, let's hope that we see a better voter turnout and, and, uh, and ultimately a, 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 a better, more engaged province. Now, we've talked a lot in generalities about, you know, political parties themselves and what are some of the common challenges uh, that they all face. I'm wondering if we can spend just a few moments, uh, because we do have an election coming up, just getting your perspectives on what you believe the biggest challenge are, challenges are that face your individual parties. Natasha, do you want to kick us off? What's one of the big challenges that the Alberta Party is facing right now? So I think one of the biggest challenges is as a fledgling party and as something new and young is just getting some recognition out there, getting our name out there, but also getting people to build a level of trust and knowing who we are. So I think that one thing that longer term political parties have an advantage in is you sort of know who they are, you know what they stand for, you have an idea in your mind, even if it's not the right one, or even if it's not necessarily something you agree with, there's a, a sense of identity. And so for the Alberta party, I think a really big thing is sharing that sense of political identity with the rest of the province and doing that through local candidates, through having community representatives and through making sure that people start to become aware that not only that the party exists, but that it does have a solid base and some values and some things that we believe in that we want to share with the province. And so I think for a younger political party, that's one of the, the biggest challenges is just finding a way to share our story and to show people who we are. Erica, you are the president of a party that used to be two parties, and I think I might be loading the question a little bit, but what do you think one of the big challenges facing the United Conservative Party is coming up here? Of course. So Natasha does mention the, the challenge of being a new party. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think a lot of people assume that because they were two, two functioning political parties prior, that when you merge, obviously you have your opinion of different best practices or ways that um, you go about things or the roles uh, and responsibilities throughout the party. And I can say, again, being a member of, of both of the legacy parties at one point, I actually had the opportunity to see how, how different uh, operationally those two parties were. And so it is a brand new party. We are, you know, three, four months in, um, and it's only been a year since our unity vote. So this has been a very busy year in our last year, and, and we're going into an even busier year. So our challenge is, you know, getting organized operationally, but <clears throat> also we're preparing for an election. So we have a lot of moving pieces. Um, I'm sure that no one would be surprised that I can say that <clears throat> nominations um, at the level in which we are facing, I mean, it's, it's our biggest opportunity, and it's also a, a large challenge because when you have so many individuals wanting to get involved and put their name on a ballot as a contestant. Uh, it's one of the most motivating things I've seen and, and understanding that our contestants, you know, may come from one of our legacy parties, but they also might be brand new members, never involved in politics, motivated either because, um, you know, they don't agree with what's currently happening in our province or because we're saying something that they 
very much aligned to. We're getting a volume of individuals uh, wanting to to be a part of our, our movement, but I also think that, you know, with numbers comes challenges that you have to face uh, internally, and, and again, that comes to us operationally and, and process-driven, uh, you know, takes a big focus from, from what we're trying to achieve. So, I mean, the, the nomination one for me is, is motivating, but I also think it comes with, with its challenges in wanting to have, you know, the best representation across Alberta of our candidates and who we are as a party. But, um, you know, it, it, there's lots of moving pieces in a brand new party. And, and like Natasha said, you want to share your story and speak to Albertans about what, why you're doing it and where, where you're headed. Awesome. What about you, Janice? What what do you see as one of the great challenges facing the new Democratic Party here in Alberta? Yeah, I think, you know, my answer is quite similar to Natasha and Erica's in that, you know, um, building on my previous comment around keeping folks engaged, ensuring that they're, you know, motivated enough to get out there and, and to vote in 2019. It's, it's, 2019 is certainly going to be an interesting year. So we too need to get out there and share our story and, uh, you know, there, as Erica said, there's a lot of organization on the ground that needs to continue to happen. Um, you know, we're obviously in a unique situation in our in our party's history in that we've got 50 plus incumbents who who are out there working hard to get reelected. So, yeah, very, very similar, I think, across parties uh, for this one. Excellent. I do have one last question, and it's for uh, Natasha and Erica. Janice, you are standing or hoping to stand as a candidate in the next provincial election. And I'd like to echo Erica's thanks for doing that. That takes a tremendous amount of courage and time. It's something I will never in my life <laughs> I'm telling you right now. But a question for Erica and Natasha, do you have any, any inkling that maybe one day you might run uh, in provincial or even local politics? Never, ever, 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 ever. <laughs> Why do you say that, Natasha? I love what I do. I love the campaigning. I love volunteers. I love organizing. But it takes a lot to put yourself out there. It takes a lot to put your family through that. And it's just a personality type that I'm not. I just don't have it in me. I also see how hard my candidates have worked, the nominees have worked, that uh, elected officials work. And I'm willing to work that hard, but maybe not in that area. And so I just know that it's not for me. I know that I enjoy my side of it a little bit more than their side of it. And that you also need people who like running campaigns so that people can run in campaigns. And so it's sort of a, a nice balance there that gives me a really good reason to never, ever have to run for elected office. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, what about you, Erica? You're, you're the president of the UCP. Do you ever want to be a candidate for the UCP? I would say that I do get asked this question a lot, so I'm not surprised that it came. Um, I, unlike Natasha, will never say never um, in the sense that, you know, in this moment, um, that's not where I feel my biggest impact can, can be on my party. Um, I, I will say also, again, I think why I have a huge appreciation for Janice putting her name is I learned it's really hard to talk about yourself and try and, and pitch why you're, you know, you are the best individual for this role. And it was very uncomfortable uh, for a little bit. And I very much like going to constituency associations and talking about party updates as opposed to Erica Broody's updates. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, I wouldn't say that it's off, off the table in any way, but I do feel that 
for me right now, the, the best focus I can have is, is the internal operations um, or internal functions of, of the UCP. Yeah, I, I really agree with Erica there. I admire people like Janice who can put themselves forward and put themselves on the line and put their reputations on the line and also talk about themselves and promote themselves. I think that takes a lot of courage and I, uh, I really admire people who are, who are willing to do that. I think it takes a special kind of person to be willing to run for elected office. So. Yeah. And seeing your face on a piece of literature is, you know, you never will experience it. I think, uh, you know, twice. It's 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 a weird, surreal feeling. <laughs> so I'm sure Janice has some, some stories of being like, oh, yeah, that is my face or my name on a lawn sign or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's very different. So we're going to open up the Dave Berta mailbag. We've got a few listener questions that we're going to ask our guests to help us answer today, starting with a question from Neil Gray. In honor of the Edmonton International Fringe Festival, we'd like for each of you to share your best campaign drama. Um, Janice, you ran federally. I, that whole campaign was drama. Do you have any great stories <laughs> to share with us? Oh, goodness. Uh, you know, it, I, as I said, having a 78-day campaign and, and obviously a lot of lead-up in my case, um, I, I, met, I met thousands and thousands of folks. And so... Everybody knows that when you door knock, you have some interesting experiences. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of drama. I mean, of course, you know, I'd have I'd had the odd encounter with someone who was, you know, partially clothed or uh, whatever it may be. I know one, yeah, one story that sticks out as far as drama is I was canvassing in a, in an apartment, and we were just in the lobby about to go uh, up a floor, and and a woman came up to myself and, and the person I was canvassing with, and she she said. She, she, she just was furious and she said, you're running? She said, I would never vote for a woman. And she was just, she, she went on and she said, women are manipulative and all these other words that I can't say on the podcast. And it was just the strangest thing. And I mean, you know, you, you have to, as a candidate, expect that you'll have odd encounters at the doors. But it was just, it was such an odd thing to have this woman who was so anti-women in politics. And I mean, obviously, I, I think she was probably dealing with some things in her own life. But it was just, those are the types of things where, you know, it can really, it can throw you off a, a day of canvassing, but you just need to, uh, you know, look at, each, look at each other as we did, kind of say that was, that was interesting and move on. But I'd say, yeah, I mean, uh, thinking about campaign drama, I was lucky to, lucky to not have a whole, a whole experience, a whole lot of it. But, you know, as much as there are some odd things that happen at the doors, um, there's some really great, encounters that I had at the doors as well and and I'm quite grateful for all the folks I met and you know there are people that I met door knocking who are now really good friends of mine and, and that's that's pretty interesting pretty exciting for sure great Natasha what about you campaign drama you've been doing this since you were younger uh what have you encountered oh man I have all sorts of stories a lot of them I don't think I should share on the podcast <laughs> um there's been lots of things there's been ones where at a provincial campaign. Uh, we had an advanced team go missing. We were really worried about them. We were wondering what was going on. They uh, missed our evening phone call and check in and we couldn't figure out where they were. We got a frenzied phone call from one of them saying, I hear you're worried about us. Don't worry. We're okay. Turns out we'd been campaigning down in Southern Alberta and they decided to cross over into Montana to buy some beer for the team and their cell phones didn't work anymore and we couldn't get in touch with them. And so that was a really exciting few hours of uh, having to find my missing advance team. And it's just sort of, no one was mad at them. We just, we were a little worried. And sometimes that can happen. 
But hey, if if beer is the outcome, even if it's American beer, that's that's pretty okay. They brought me some back, so I was fine with it. <laughs> Erica, how about you? Campaign drama. All right. Well, I will say, Janice, the fact that you had a partially closed uh, well, is, a, is, a, is lucky for you. <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't want to get into details, but there, there were. Yeah, you, you know what it's like. There have been a yeah. few like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also think the term best is a subjective term, but uh, on yeah. best campaign drama. Um, but I will say, so when I, like, like Natasha does, uh, I'm sure we have several and some should not make it onto the podcast. But uh, for me, the first one that popped into my head um, was maybe not as drama filled externally as it could have been. But for me, as, as a, an individual that was on a tour team and part of the advanced team, and for those that don't know that, that means... Uh, you're traveling the province kind of leapfrogging from event to event, uh, and it was for our leader at the time in 2012. And your role is to kind of make sure that everything's set up, that the local event has everything in prep, and then you do media, and, and then you also uh, wrap up the event. So you're kind of on either end for when, when the leader arrives. Uh, there was a day that uh, a certain individual from our party uh, put out a tweet that was focused on uh, one's ability to have children. And I was at the event with our leader at the time when that hit. Um, and my role as an advanced person was actually to go notify uh, the leader and that we had an issue and that the event, um, you know, we needed to wrap it up and and mitigate some of the, the comments that were, were made. So uh, that was one that you know, you, you never want to have to be the person, and you also don't really want to answer the why we're getting back on the bus, uh, you know, just because it, is a, it was a very sensitive issue and something that we needed to deal with immediately. So from campaign drama, that for me is the one that still to this day, I can recall every single moment um, from the time that an alert went off on my phone to uh, probably the next few days, because I think it was a news cycle that uh, didn't stop. So for me, that was the biggest one. Um, but obviously, like uh, the other individuals on the panel, there's lots of, one of those little one-offs. Um, but that one, that one really sticks with me. Uh, moving on to our next question. This is from Cage YYC on Twitter. Uh, they want to know, what are the pros and cons of putting off filing a nomination? So the example that they give is, why would 21 NDP MLAs wait out the summer? Do early nomination filers get a head start or any advantage? Uh, what do you think, Janice? Yeah, you know, honestly, I can't I can't speak for our NDP MLAs because obviously I'm quite focused on on my campaign and what's best for uh, folks here in Edmonton Highlands Norwood. Uh, I do know that our MLAs are working very hard in their constituencies this summer, knocking on doors, attending events, you know, doing doing all the things that they need to do. And, and of course, they and their their constituency constituency associations would be looking at timing and what's best for uh, for each of them. Natasha, any insight on what are the pros and cons of putting off filing a nomination? Is early Does the early bird get the worm? So I actually have a couple reasons here. So from a practical standpoint, once you actually announce your intentions to run, you either have to register with Elections Alberta or they will come calling. And so that can be a lot of work to start tracking and organizing that before your nomination is even called. And then I also think that from a strategic standpoint, there's some advantages to announcing earlier or announcing later in the contested nomination. I mean, there's a chance of peaking too early or putting tons of time and effort really early on, and your nomination isn't even called for a long time. A person I know is running for a nomination. 
been putting in a ton of effort for a year or more now has been going to the constituency, been door knocking, been building support. And I think there's a risk there of putting that much time and effort in and people getting tired of you or moving on to a new candidate or stopping being involved and engaged in your campaign simply because it has been such a long period of time because you don't necessarily know when your nomination is gonna be called. And so I think it can be, sometimes you, the early bird gets the worm, you get an advantage of some name recognition, but also sometimes you never know when your nomination is even gonna be called. And so waiting can be smart so that you actually know some some smoother timelines. That makes a lot of sense. Erica, what do you think? Are there is there an advantage to filing a nomination late? Yeah, so I guess um, Natasha pointed out a, a point that I wanted to highlight too, is that once you register, um, you, are, you have to file with Elections Alberta, then it becomes public. You're on the website and there is a pro to, to, to holding off because as we all know that there's opposition research that happens um, and this you know, doesn't give as much uh, time. Now, from, I can speak from a UCP standpoint that with the volume of nominations that we have in the interest you know, we, we can't afford to have everyone hold off. Um, we need to go through the process to make sure that we're, we're you know, rolling out the nominations uh, across the province and doing it with the resource and um, efforts that we, we can. So the biggest thing, you know, for me is that um, this is not a, a piece of legislation that we introduced. Uh, this is obviously something, and to your question around um, what the listener was asking with the NDP is, you know, you're, you're, you're able to hold it off um, as long as possible. We don't have that benefit because of the volume of nominations that we have to, we will have to put on in the next year in preparation for the election. The other thing I want to point out is, you know, in the case of, of the NDP being government, that a lot of the incumbents um, will be cabinet ministers or currently are cabinet ministers. So, from from our standpoint of the UCP, we also want to get people involved and and not just have contestants, but have candidates because we're in a position where we also need to introduce our candidates and our, our election team to the province before an election is called. So, um, but putting it off, I mean, you know, for, from our standpoint, uh, nominations can be called um, when when you're when the constituency is ready to go and. And so campaigning, Natasha's right, going for a year may sometimes, uh, you know, have people, name recognition is one thing, but being too frequent uh, is a fine, fine balance that you have to strike. So just going out too early um, can, can hurt you as a, as a contestant because you're, you're so top of mind for people that that's where I think sometimes the apathy comes in, but also that you know, you, you also have to prepare and, and whether your nomination is, is open or not, you, you pound pavement and you want to get your name out there and, and sell memberships and gain support. And that's kind of the, the, the very, um, I guess, unsexy part of the nomination is it's pounding pavement. Uh, it is who can work harder um, and, and get more people on board. So it's not a glamorous uh, part of the process, but it is one that, you know, you do have an advantage for getting out before your competitors, at least. Uh, Adam, if, if I can, there is add. a glamorous part of the process. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Again, if you wanted to add something. Or yeah, I was just going to say uh, to to Erica's point around if you uh, it, once you register on Elections Alberta, it's out there. I should. Dave's going to love me telling this story, but I uh, I registered on Elections Alberta on a Friday, and I and I did that before um, before officially announcing. 
And then by, I think that evening, Dave had already tweeted, uh, tweeted out his updated list of people who were running. And I saw him the next day at a, at a community uh, event. And he said, and you know, he said, oh yeah, I saw that you're, you're running. And I said, oh yeah, I hadn't announced yet, but um, he told me he checks the uh, Elections Alberta site multiple times a day. So for any prospective candidates out there, just beware that once you put it on Elections Alberta, it will be out there uh, due to Dave Cornway. <laughs> <laughs> so no, but it's, it, you know, it, and, I, in, and in that case, it was fine because I, I, I knew that that would likely happen and uh, we ended up announcing right away anyways. But, uh, but no, it's, it is, it's, it's, it's putting yourself out there, right? And uh, as soon as, yeah, as soon as you've made that decision to, to file, um, yeah, you're, you're as, as Erica said, you're in the spotlight. And yeah, and if, if you're a novice candidate and you're not aware of DaveBerta.ca, then you're in for uh, a bit of a a bit of a shock. Uh, <laughs> he invariably checks the Elections Alberta website. Uh, we've got one last question from Eric Bell. This one's a little bit, uh, it's certainly connected to Alberta, but it's a bit of an international politics question. Eric wants to know what you all think the impact of Saudi Arabia's policies will be on Alberta um, everything from investments and exports to how it might impact Saudi Arabian students coming to school here in Alberta. What's the effect? Uh, what might the effect be on interprovincial politics and resource management? Does anyone have a point of view on this? Yeah, I mean, I can start. I think it's it's Janice here. I mean, um, I think it's probably a little bit too early to speculate fully on this, but you know, I am proud that uh, Premier Notley. Uh, has gone on the record and talked about how you know our government stands in support of civil rights and and women's rights, but it really is the federal government who's who's best positioned to comment on on that relationship with uh, Saudi Arabia. And I know provincially our government's working directly with the the feds on this to sort of determine the impact of the trade freeze. And um, knowing that Alberta exports, I think it's up to two hundred million dollars in products to to Saudi Arabia every year. It's you know we're we're currently kind of assist, uh, assessing the impacts of that freeze and and working with our our partners in agriculture and, and manufacturing. And I think the students piece is an interesting one as well. And so I know we're currently, our government's currently looking at uh, kind of uh, understanding the impact of removing students from uh, Saudi, uh, Saudi Arabia uh, from our post-secondary institutions. And uh, I know that there's been some communication between our government and those institutions to kind of discuss next steps. So uh, I think kind of stay tuned. And as I said, I'm just, I'm proud that our, our government has been quite uh, clear on this issue and quite, quite responsive. Erica, what do you think the impacts of what's happening between Saudi and Arabia and Canada will be on Alberta? Yeah, I, I do want to point out, I think it's an interesting question to come forward um, to this panel uh, on a specific like public policy issue. Mm -hmm. But I mean, with that being said, I do want to point out that like the federal government um, hasn't effectively killed energy use um, and that Canada wouldn't be so dependent on oil and gas imports from Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Um, personally, I mean, I'm... I'm kind of embarrassed around what the federal NDP leader's solution to this issue is and, and importing oil from elsewhere rather than, than tapping, especially being from a Western Canadian um, province that we're not looking to our own energy resources. Um, and, and Janice touched on this, but around, uh, you know, her sentiment towards how the premiers handled this, for me, I think that um, our premiers tried to distance herself from the anti-Alberta views, uh, but at the end of the day, um, her federal boss, uh, is, is, you know, is connected with the, the federal NDP. And, and I actually believe that the Alberta NDP constitution um, states that 
it is the same party with the same policies. So I think for me, it's a little bit confusing when you have uh, a position that may be um, different from each other, but at the end of the day, you declare that you're the same party. So um, the last point I just want to make is around the prime minister. Um, and it, you know, we would, the prime minister would do well to reserve the policy and legislative changes that led to the cancellation of energy and get some serious, um, get serious about like, Canadian energy independence. And I think that's why we're having this conversation. Um, but I also think we all going forward need to look at this holistically, not a Saudi Arabia versus Canada situation, but um, the international stage and what our role as Canada is to play on that stage. Great. Natasha, what are your views on what's happening right now between Canada, Alberta and Saudi Arabia? So like Erica, my mind pretty immediately jumps to energy policy and the ability to use Canadian energy and Alberta energy and sort of showcase that from an economic standpoint and the fact that we don't necessarily need to talk, have conversations about, oh, we'll buy our oil elsewhere when we have a, a lot of capacity here. But the other thing that my mind really jumps to is concern for some of the students and concern for some of the people who live here in Alberta. I mean, I have friends who are worried about their families being able to come to Canada to visit because of airlines being shut down because of flights not going in through to Toronto. There's students who are worried about whether or not they'll be able to stay here or go back or what their futures are. And so for me, one of the real big concerns is that is that human concern and what's going to be the after effects of causing that level of stress and strife and discord within within our population. And so I just really hope that we can focus on that part as well and sort of find some opportunities to make sure that we're supporting Canadian citizens and the people who are living here who may be from other countries who have also some shared concerns in this, in this whole issue. And that's it for this episode. And thanks so much for tuning in and for hosting this opportunity uh, to all the individuals at Dave Berta. Huge thanks to the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, for supporting the show. And huge thanks to Adam, Ryan, and Dave for uh, handing over the uh, microphones to us this week. Absolutely, our pleasure. And speaking of the Alberta Podcast Network, there's one show that if you're interested in Hindi cinema, you should check out. It's called Bollywood is for Lovers. And I guess what's kind of strange about this one is that it, it's hosted by two Canadian cinephiles, Matt Bowes and Aaron Fraser. but it's all about Hindi cinema. And I've always wanted to say this about myself, but this show is huge in Pakistan. Um, and they are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, so you can definitely check them out. That sounds great, Adam. Visit albertapodcastnetwork.com for Bollywood is for Lovers and all other Alberta Podcast Network shows. Send us your feedback or ask us any questions you have for our next episode. You can get us on Twitter at Dave Berta or on the Dave Berta Facebook page or email us at podcast at daveberta.ca. I can be found on Twitter at Natasha R. Souls. Erica can be found at Broody. And Janice at Janice Irwin. Thanks for listening.